This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. And this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Uh, Whatever's on your heart and mind, all you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. If um, that doesn't work, you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app, and you can send your questions that way. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner. At the top of the screen, you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number, one more time, is 340-9585. Hope you had a great day at church yesterday, at least if you were able to go and not on live stream. People are starting to come back uh, to church, and it's always nice to see people that we miss and people that we love. So um, hope you had a great weekend at church. Quick reminder before I get into some of the questions that have been sent, and we wait for your phone calls. Uh, tonight, uh, we here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio are, redo- are renewing our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies, in-person Bible studies, at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. You can watch it uh, online at calvaryessay.com at 7 o'clock, at least the ladies' portion of it. Paula will be teaching from uh, the book of Colossians. I was laughing at Paula today. Because she was talking about, you know, it's been so many weeks now with the quarantine that she's been teaching. She says, I'm probably going to go way too long. She said a lot of stuff sort of percolating in her brain. So uh, keep Paula in your prayers tonight. Well, let's go right to the phone lines. Let me talk to Celia on line one. Celia, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Celia on Celia there? Yes. Can you hear me? Do I need to turn I on can my he- radio? Yeah, turn you, turn it down. That would be best. But I can hear you, Celia. Okay. Um, the Calvary Baptist Church in Kerrville, Del Way, is the pastor. Mm-hmm. Is that is that an affiliate? Uh, your Calvary Baptist Church, and they are so you are in the same group. Is that correct? 
No, we are not. Uh, Delway okay. is um, more in line with the TBN type of churches, Prosperity Church, and uh, I think it's a pretty good-sized church in Kerrville, but with no connection at all with Calvary Chapel. Now, Celia, we do have a Calvary Chapel out there, Calvary Chapel in Kerrville. Um, pastor's name is Max. He's a really great guy. And uh, I've got friends out there, um, people that moved from here to there. So uh, if you want to go out and check them out, all you got to do is uh, drop my name. Pastor Ron from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio told me to call or told me to come by. But Delway is not not connected with us in, at all. It would be very, very far from us in terms of doctrine. Okay. I, I had a, my best friend years, 11 years ago, had gone to the, his church in Kerrville, but I don't, I don't think it was at that time Calvary Baptist. I, I'm, I'm not sure. And uh, so before I went, I wanted to figure out who he was, if he was with y'all or, so now you've yeah. answered my question, and I appreciate yeah. that very much, sir. Okay, my pleasure, Celia. Max Green is the uh, uh, pastor's name, I think, in, in Kerrville. If I've got the last name wrong, forgive me, but he's a really, really nice guy, and you would be blessed. He's just really, really kind. Thank you, Celia. Appreciate it very, very much. Um, let me go to some questions that have been sent in here. Uh, my first question comes from uh, Christiana from our email inbox. Uh, she says, I find myself not trusting God. And I don't know how to start trusting him. I'm also having a hard time not believing that my, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time believing that my salvation is secure. How do I believe when I have deep-rooted ideas that I can lose my salvation? Christiana, this is not only um, a really, really important problem to resolve, um, but it's more common, way more common than you think. Um, whenever somebody says, I'm having a hard time trusting God, the, the reason that they're having a hard time trusting him is always the same. It's because they're not waiting on God, giving God a chance to show off for them. And when I say show off, I don't mean he's doing miracles or things, but but God is so pleased. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Conversely, when we walk by faith, God's pleased. And um, when you're not trusting him, it's because typically you take matters into your own hands. That's what we do as humans when we don't know the answers, we don't know what to do next. We start sort of imposing our will on God's will. And uh, Christiana, the most important thing you can do is learn to trust God. And to do that, you've got to wait on God to move. The other thing is just as important when you have a hard time believing your salvation secure you're not spending enough time with Jesus. You're spending more time with your doubts. And I'm not saying this to put a guilt trip on you, but when I say be with Jesus, I mean that you literally need to be with him, walk with him, talk to him, keep him by your side all day long. The fact that he's invisible doesn't mean that he's not there. So just get to know him better. Whenever we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, Christiana, whenever that happens, we have to remember that, well, we love him. He saved us. We're grateful, but he's a stranger. We don't know who he is. We don't know how powerful he is. We don't know how much he loves us. And so what you really need to do is give him the opportunity to show you his love. 
And the way to do that is spend time with him. Spend time with him in the word. Spend time with him in prayer. But rather than make prayer this overwhelming burden, just talk to him all day. Just like if I was there and you and I would be hanging out, you'd talk to me and I'd talk back to you. Well, he'll do the same thing. And that's how you develop a relationship. That's how you develop the familiarity. So when you don't trust God, the first thought is, well, I'm wrong because God is all-powerful, God loves me, and God is trustworthy. And then give God a chance to prove that to you, and he'll do it over and over and over again. When you start to get a little nervous and you take matters into your own hands or you do what seems right to you instead of what God wants you to do, well, then you need to remember, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And he really will take care of you. I promise you, Christiana, he wants you to know that your salvation is secure. He wants you to know over and over the Bible talks about your position of security. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. I think it's 13 and 14. Um, He gave you the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. He's the one who offers the guarantee. The Gospel of John, he has you in his hands and no one can snatch you from his hands. And the Father who is greater than he is has you in your hands. Has you in his hands, rather. And no one can snatch you from the Father's hands. So this is where faith really has to develop. One of the things that you can talk about, and these are wonderful things to ask the Lord as you're spending some time with Him just hanging out and say, Jesus, I'm having a really difficult time trusting you, and I know that's wrong. And then you say what the disciples said over and over, Lord, increase my faith. And when God starts moving on your behalf, when you're hanging out with Him and you know He's there, you're going to find it easier and easier to trust him. And then, Christiana, here's the payoff. And, and you know, I've been saved for 29 years. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is it's impossible now for me not to trust him. It doesn't mean I don't get scared. It doesn't mean that I worry or don't worry about, well, how is this going to happen? But it means very simply that he's proven himself so many times to me I just dare not miss out on anything he has. Christiana, maybe this will help you as well, just my own personal experience. Um, Right now, God is is in the process. I'm getting really, really close. God's asking me to take a a huge, crazy step of faith. Just huge, huge, huge. Now, I've known that we're going to take this step of faith for some time. I'm not sure still what it's going to look like exactly, but I know that God's been preparing me for this. We've talked about it on our long runs and walks. Um, This morning, he spoke to my heart and gave me something very specific about it. And um, I'm, I'm nervous. But after everything that he's done, how could I even consider not being obedient? I wouldn't want to miss out on anything that he's done. Christiana, trusting God will eventually get you to that place where you, you actually, even though you're a little nervous, you still get excited because God's about to do something brand new. So, Christiana, I hope that helps. God bless you, and I'm going to add you to my prayer list. The one thing Jesus wants you to do is to trust him, not only with your salvation, 
but also with the circumstances where you're struggling to trust God. I promise you, you will be thrilled when you begin to do it. Good question. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions as we begin the week. Here's a question from Nacho from our email inbox. Uh, He says, do you think the Pharisee named Simon in Luke chapter 7 could have been saved? The way Luke describes the scene in verse 49 seems to indicate a change of heart in Simon. Um, um, Nacho, I'm not sure what you're seeing in verse 49 that would have to do with Simon. Uh, the, The verse says the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then Jesus, of course, said to the woman that was the center of all the attention, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Uh, No, it's pretty specific. It's not Simon, it's the other guests who begin to question who this Jesus is. He's he's telling this woman her sins are forgiven. Simon, in fact, uh, was the most pious of all of them. And that's why Jesus put him on the spot here. Um, Simon was uh, a Pharisee who was testing Jesus. And uh, Jesus told him a a, a parable and uh, sort of put him on the spot. Uh, But no, it's it's pretty uh, interesting to me that Simon is um, judging. He's harsh. Um, uh, He's self-righteous. He figures Jesus should know what kind of woman this was. And and, um, um, he's forgotten that Jesus loved the woman. And I think the most important thing he's forgotten, Nacho, is that Jesus loved him as much as he loved the woman. The the Pharisee thought he deserved the love of God. And the woman, of course, didn't. Jesus said, the woman is the one who's going to let me into her life. So I think Simon was the most judgmental of all. There's no indication at all that his heart was uh, softened or that he would have any sort of a, a response at all in terms of of, uh, his heart softening toward Jesus. Good question, Nacho. Let's go to Robert from San Antonio on line one. Robert, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron, how you doing? Robert, I'm doing well, thank you. Hey, listen, this is kind of a, maybe a little bit awkward question, but um, I was recently with my daughter trying to give her some um, uplifting music to listen to, and um, I was researching a particular worship leader at a church and you i know you're knower i'm not going to mention any names pastor's wife um used to be famous in the 90s went ahead and um you know became a christian woman but i was looking at her just recently on youtube trying to show her some of these um the changes that's going on and i noticed recently that i saw that she's been kind of making making like a little bit of a comeback singing some of her old songs um, and I know you have a high standard for your pastors. I know you've talked about that before. And I'm just wondering how that ties into your worship leaders and pastors' wives as far as when I noticed some of the songs, one of them in particular, not not very pleasing to be, you know, to be playing, you know, as far as some of the lyrics go. And then I just seen uh, one of the interviews that this person was doing um, was with a particular rapper, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this must be a Christian rapper that she was interviewing, kind of endorsing her and almost, you know, telling her some, you know, some things to do as far as her career goes. So when I looked this rapper up, Ruby Ibarra, you know, she's pretty much a gangster rapper, you know, some pretty crude lyrics, some pretty crude 
you know, stuff that she was saying. Not, I'm saying all her music is like that, but a couple of the videos, mm-hmm. you know, and then she's sharing the stage in California with this particular rapper. And I'm like, what kind of message is that sending without being, I'm not trying to be legalistic and, and all that kind of stuff, but I'm like, I'm trying to say, okay, don't be listening to this kind of gangster type of music. And then I see this particular person kind of endorsing that and even sharing the stage with her, singing in a casino, singing again, some of, you know, the songs that she had in the past. Not that they were horrible, but one of them was probably not something that you would want to sing to your kids. <laughs> you know, I just want I, to I, see what your thought is on that. Yeah, very fair question, Robert. I wasn't going to call, wasn't going to call. It's kind of like something that's been bothering me, kind of. You know, because I hate that kind of music, gangster music. You know, especially like when I see them pretending or shooting somebody, drinking, you know, you know the whole deal. And I'm like, and this particular person is like endorsing that, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm yep, talking about? I, yes, I do, Robert. And, I, and it's a fair question and, and no offense is taken whatsoever. So uh, let me let me kind of address it. Um, uh, he's actually speaking, um, now talking to the audience, Robert is actually speaking about uh, uh, my worship pastor's wife who is on stage uh, here every Sunday, uh, and uh, she is uh, among the most godly women I have ever known. Now, um, she has been with me for uh, 13-plus years, and I've watched this change, and I've seen what God is doing. And uh, one of the things, Robert, I want to say to you and to anybody else, uh, she never set out to uh, give her career a shot in the arm. You know, it, it wasn't something that was of her doing. Uh, when um, um, she and her husband got here, um, I knew from the beginning that God was going to do something. This, this woman was a huge star uh, in the 90s. And a bit of a, not a bit of a diva, I was going to say a, a bit of a diva. She was like a major diva. Um, but um, she and her husband uh, got saved. Um, um, they've been serving faithfully. I know their hearts, know the music they're doing. Um, and, um, and God simply sort of out of nowhere brought her back into the public eye. Um, and, and naturally, when she sings, um, doing concerts or doing appearances, um, people want to hear, especially people who are her age. They want to hear uh, some of her old songs. So she does them. Uh, she's writing some new stuff uh, as well, uh, her and her son. And um, um, she, she's doing a great job. And, and there's nothing objectionable in the lyrics of the songs that she's doing now. Um, some of the old songs don't reflect who she is now, but it's who she used to be. And the one thing that you can't see, Robert, and I won't even talk about the other person because I don't know. Uh, I'm not a music person, so I don't know the other person that you're talking about. Um, but um, the one thing I can assure you is that when she's doing a concert now, and this is, again, we've watched God open these doors and bring her from where she was uh, very content just to sing love songs to Jesus. In fact, I heard her one time tell somebody in an interview when all this started, she said, now this voice is for Jesus. And when she's doing concerts, she's kind of with the progression of her songs, she's talking to the audience about what God has done in her life. And she's very specific. I love Jesus Christ, and he's taken me from here to here. And um, people are getting saved. And there's just no question this is a ministry 
that God has given birth to, we at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio are just able to to uh, to support it. We we just love the fact that that God is using her and her husband. Uh, but whenever she goes places, she gets saved. The other thing with regard to the to, to the younger performers, um, God has given her because of her past. She was the first big Filipino star, and God has given her a position of influence with these younger Filipino stars. And it's amazing because some of them are getting saved as well. And see, that's the thing. Uh, as Christians, we go into the darkness. We bring our light into the darkness. And I promise you, Robert, that's the only thing that she's doing. And uh, you might listen to an old song that she did on the YouTube, uh, you know, find it on YouTube. And, and you're going to find, yeah, that's not a very good song. Uh, but see, she uses that to bring glory to God. And she is now a voice telling these young kids about Jesus. And everywhere she goes, people are getting saved. And we're really proud to be a part of it. One final thought, and then I'm going to go to Federico calling from uh, San Antonio as well. Uh, my final thought here, Robert, is this. Because you appear on stage with somebody isn't an endorsement of their product. Uh, I would preach the gospel um, anywhere. Uh, and it didn't matter who was on the stage. Give me a chance to, to share what God's put in my heart. I'm going to do it. It doesn't mean I endorse their ministry. There's a whole bunch of ministries that are horrible, bad teaching ministries. They give me a stage in their church, and there's a whole bunch of people there. Uh, they're going to hear about the real Jesus. So I'm not connected. I'm not endorsing uh, somebody's ministry, nor would um, the, the woman you're talking about be endorsing the ministry of that rapper. So, Robert, thank you for the question, a fair question. Uh, and by the way, one that she has struggled with from the beginning when she knew that this call back into her career uh, was uh, was really the Lord's will. He prepared her for a lot of years, and, and I don't know anybody any more ready than she is to do it. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to Federico. Federico, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Gloria a Dios, bienaventurado. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. How are you today? Pastor, I, 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 I opened up the Bible this morning, and it opened, because I just opened and Brandon and I see where it falls. It fell to Psalm 43, and it made me remember when I was in prison. For the third time, I, I, I could have gotten a habitual criminal charge, and I couldn't gotten anything from 25 to 99. But this song, Pastor, was so oh. awesome to me in that cell. And not too many prisoners have Bibles, so I, I want to read it to them real quick. Okay. Because I know they listen. They may not have Bibles, but they got a little radio. <laughs> well, we, we've got two minutes, so go ahead. Okay. Oh, God, declare me innocent and defend my cause against the ungodly. Deliver me and bring me. Oh, oh. Deliver me from lying and evil people. You are my protector. Why have you abandoned me? Something like Psalms 22, too. Why must mm -hmm. I go on? Suffering from the cruelty of 
of my enemies, but I will say from the cruelty of my own ways. As send your light and your truth, may they lead me and bring me back. It says to Zion, but I will say to, to your way of life, mm-hmm. your sacred hill, and in your temple where you live. Then, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> then I will go to your altar, O oh God. You are the source of, of my happiness. I will play my harp and sing praise to you. Oh, God, my God. And then I will say, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? And then I would thank it because of my evil ways. I would put you, I will put my hope in God. And this is what I would say. I will put my hope in God. And once again, I will praise him. Yeah. Federico, the first verse in the NIV translation of that is perfect description of your life. It says, vindicate me, O God. And that's exactly what God has done. He's taken a man who's been in prison and he's vindicated him and he's made him a light for others. And that's a psalm that is absolutely glorious, absolutely wonderful. God bless you, Federico. I love it when you call. Uh, you can hear the music. We are done with the first 30 minutes of our program, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday show, 340-9585. I've got a follow-up question from Robert back on line one. So, Robert, I'm glad you called back because I had something else I wanted to say. So you go first. Yeah, no, I just wanted to just kind of, I was trying to do, I was like, Pastor Ron, you, I know you couldn't hear me. I guess you had near to me or something. But, no, my thing with Pastor Ron, like I said, I understand. I've met Jocelyn, and I've known, I know her a little bit. Obviously, not as well as you. And I was just surprised. Again, I understand, you know, you got to go with sinners to find, you know, to, to be able to save people. But in the interview that I saw her with, again, I'm not trying to be legalistic and all that kind of stuff, but her promoting, you know, her career path and this and when I went and listened to some of this girl's lyrics and and then saw them on stage together I mean to me I think that sends the wrong message again I could be over the top but and then I go listen to the lyrics Pastor Ron and I was like kind of astonished at like you know some of this girl's message that she's doing and again there's one thing about when you're associated it's another thing to be promoting it and kind of you know locking arms with somebody now I could be looking at it from a different vantage point, I would like you maybe to go back and take a look at it. 
not trying to get blow this out of proportion, but it is kind of like I was a little I was a little um, put back by. I'll leave it at that. Okay, thank you, Robert. I'll I'll address it uh, one more time, Robert. As Christians, we've got to stop the guilt by association. Now, remember, um, in the question that we was sent to us by Nacho, um, when when Jesus was invited to Simon, um, uh, the the Pharisee's home, uh, and the woman who was a woman of ill repute, um, a prostitute. Uh, she came in and started washing Jesus' feet. She she recognized who he was. She was worshiping him, and and the, the exact line that Simon said was was if if he knew what kind of a woman this was, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. And here's the the the, the biggest problem: Jesus came for women like that. It's the Pharisee who didn't get it. Now, Robert, don't take this personal. I'm not calling you a Pharisee. I'm not even suggesting that. We've talked before, and I know you well enough to know this isn't your heart. But the guilt by association, and uh, here's what I can promise you, and and I know who the the girl is. I looked it up during the break. Uh, I promise you that girl heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we have to do as Christians is stop expecting unbelievers to act like believers. And so Jocelyn would have told her who Jesus was. She would have uh, asked her if she wanted to receive Christ. She would have talked to her about um, uh, the difficulties that young artists, especially Filipino artists, experience uh, in, in the music industry. And, and God has given her a position in these young performers' lives where she can sort of be a mentor. She can be somebody who who turns their perspective around. Now, if Jocelyn expected them not to be edgy, not to be, I mean, they want to be rich. They want to be popular. Um, Jocelyn's message is there's so much more. I've been there, and now my life is something that's rich and full. So um, it's one thing to say, you know, I appreciate her music. Um, but it's another thing altogether, the things that are going on in the background. One other thing that I want to say, Robert, about uh, what Jocelyn does when she goes out. Um, she never gets invited to a place where she doesn't say, and, and, and she's not doing this for money, believe me, but she doesn't say, uh, if I come and if I sing, the audience is going to hear about Jesus. And that's cost her some opportunities because they don't want that. But in the main, these are doors that God has opened up. And, uh, you know, rather than be condemning of this this young uh, hip-hop artist, um, it should thrill us as believers that there's a Christian voice in her ear. And and we know this, and I think that uh, Luke chapter 7 incident uh, at the home of Simon the Pharisee is a perfect example of the way Jesus uh, dealt with issues like this. Remember, guilt by association, we can't do that. We can't be guilty of that. So as believers, we've got to understand that God always has somebody in people's lives who will show them who he is. Jocelyn now has that. So I hope that... Um, is true. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that, that, that this particular artist is the one. I think it is. I just don't want to speak uh, authoritatively without, uh, without knowing. 
uh, for sure. But uh, actually, on this particular trip, uh, Jocelyn took her youngest son, Timothy, and and they sat at dinner, and Timothy um, sort of won, won their hearts and was telling them about Jesus as well. So um, I promise you, Robert, you can have full confidence in this girl's heart. She is the best of the best. Three four zero ninety five eighty five and and Celia, this is for you. I apologize. I said Max Green. That is not the Max in Kerrville. It's Max Teague, T E A G U E, and uh, he is the pastor uh, in Calvary Chapel of Kerrville. And I've got a uh, he's you know that church is in my region here. I'm sort of the the regional director of of the South Texas uh, Calvary Chapels. And uh, he is a really, really great guy. And it's called Calvary Chapel Hill Country in Kerrville. So thanks a lot for, for that. And I'm glad I got a chance to correct my error. I'm laughing at myself because Max Green is the name of the very first boss I ever had, first job I ever got at 16 years of age at McDonald's. Max Green was my boss and my brain stuck way back then. Here's a question from Allison, and, and this is a question that I ended the week with last time on Friday, and uh, I, I said I'm going to keep it on my board because I want to uh, talk a little bit more about it. Allison wrote in asking, what will the church look like in the next 25 years? Um, and, and Allison, I told you on Friday that, um, you know, nobody knows. Um, I, I believe that what the church is really going to be characterized by is sort of a falling away, falling away in the false doctrine, the church turning away from from the things in the heart of God. Uh, I really believe that the next 25 years in the United States, I'm talking about, I think the Church of Jesus Christ, if Jesus tarries, I think the church is going to be persecuted, and I think we're going to look more like the remnant than we are. You know, right now we've got these huge buildings with thousands and thousands of people coming in looking like they're real believers. I think uh, persecution is really going to weed that crowd down. Uh, I think it's going to be a church that's characterized by false doctrine. I think it's going to be a church uh, that is um, um, farther and farther away from the heart of God. And I think it's going to be a compromised church. I think... um, all you need to do is read Jesus' letter to the Church of the Laodiceans in Revelation chapter 3. That's, I think, what the church is going to be like. Now, the only thing that could change that, and this is my prayer, the only thing that could change it is a, is a, is a, a, a huge move of God's Spirit, a revival. And I, I hope we're all praying for that. So, thanks. I wanted to get that. We've got on line one. It says Paula's little sister. Paula's little sister, you're on the air. Well, hi, Pastor Ron. <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. I miss you. Oh. Hey, I have a message for Robert. Okay. As I listened to him earlier, just wanted to remind him that as we believers go out and share the gospel, even in music, that we are to be praying for those that that message is going out to. Mm-hmm. So just help Robert to remember that whenever he um, looks at stuff like that or finds out information like that, that if a believer is going out there 
and not afraid of the wolves, that we should be praying for those that the message is going out to, even in music. Maybe, maybe especially in music? You, yeah, especially today <laughs> in music. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I wanted to share. And I enjoy listening to his um, concern um, because I understand, especially because I got young adults in my house, and you never know. Well, as as a pastor, one of the things I had to prepare Jocelyn for uh, when all this started, and it's been going now for about the last couple of years, uh, one of the things I had to prepare for, I said, you know, there are going to be Christians who turn on you because uh, they're going to think, well, this is secular, and she shouldn't have anything to do with secular. But secular is where people live who need to get saved. Absolutely. And uh, we, 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 we need to be praying for, and, and just God's got a plan here. And I've been privileged to watch this, and what a, what a stand she's taken for Christ everywhere she's gone. And uh, the, the neat thing is I know what's going on in those private conversations uh, between Jocelyn and the younger girls who want to be where she was in the 90s. And uh, truth of the matter is, um, she she's the one who's letting them know that being there isn't all that. You know, you think it's going to fulfill you and it's going to make you happy and it's going to uh, be the answer to your prayers. Uh, the truth of the matter is only Jesus can do that. And there is not one ounce of compromise in in her or, or in her music. Amen. Good to hear from you. We miss you and your family. Yeah, she has such a heart for the young people out there. So I, I agree. Amen. Thanks uh, for taking my call. My pleasure. God bless you. <laughs> uh, Paula's little sister, I just love that. Have I ever told you that we're a family here at Calvary Chapel? Here is a question anonymously. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, I don't go to your church, but I listened to your message online yesterday. Are you thinking about retiring? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I say things and I'm not sure how they're going to be received. Uh, to answer your question very directly, no, I'm not thinking about retiring. I'm not thinking about slowing down. Um, um, I do three services a week. Um, I do counseling here. I love what I do. I love doing this radio program. Uh, and I'm not uh, thinking about retiring or slowing down at all. What I was saying yesterday, and, and the message yesterday was about the office of a pastor, the person who fills that office, and the qualifications uh, for that man. And, um, um, you know, I had to be honest. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 69 years old this month, and um, um, the, the reality is I've had some health problems two, three years ago. And, um, you know, I don't, what I said to the church was, I don't know how long I have left. If the Lord grants me a few more years of faithful service, great. Uh, nobody's in a hurry to have me go. I'm certainly not in a hurry to go. But realistically, I wanted them to know that all of the qualifications about the man uh, who's chosen to be a pastor of church, all of those qualifications are, 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 are found in the, in the, the younger man uh, who will eventually take my place here at Calvary Chapel, Pastor Ken, who's been on this radio program for me a couple of times. Um, and so, no, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that the enemy sort of twists and turns things as we, the, in terms of the way we hear it. But um, uh, no, I'm not 
thinking about retiring at all. Uh, I'm not even tired yet. I can't get retired until I'm tired, so I'm not even tired yet. Um, but the reality is, at my age, uh, there's going to be a point where people stop listening, or there's going to be a point when when my strength gives out. I, I'm not able to do it. I'm already um, visually impaired to the degree that it's really hard to see even even um, the, the the scriptures that I've got blown up uh, to read from. But anonymous, I am not thinking about retiring at all. So, please put that to rest. I love what I do. That's one of the things I got to talk about yesterday. I love what I do. Here's a question from another Robert. Did Jesus have brothers and sisters? I'm asking because I heard Hank Handegraaff say last week that Mary had no other children, that she and Joseph did not ever have sexual relations, and that they were cousins or relatives, not siblings, and I'm confused. Um, Robert, Jesus, of course, had brothers and sisters. Their names are given to us. And to take the Catholic line, and that's not what Hank is doing, he's converted, as you probably know if you listen to his program, to uh, the Orthodox faith. And and the Orthodox faith is very similar to the Catholic faith in, in, in a lot of ways. And they, they uh, hold to the um, perpetual virginity of Mary. Um, they hold to the fact that, that uh, her and Joseph had no sexual relations at all, when the Bible clearly says otherwise. Uh, and, and one of the things, Robert, and this is really sad, uh, I've heard Hank uh, in the past, um, very familiar with his ministry now for almost all the years I've been saved, and I've heard him um, say exactly the opposite of what you said in the program last week. Um, I know the Bible says they have brothers and sisters, they give names. Uh, she didn't have any relations with Joseph until Jesus was conceived, meaning they, they had them after. And, and it's very clear, but here's what's happened. We embrace religion and we lose truth. And when I read your question, I was really dismayed by how far Hank has fallen doctrinally just to embrace religion. Uh, I have no doubt he's saved. I don't want anybody misunderstanding me. However, he's lost his way. And he certainly shouldn't be on the air with the radio program um, calling himself the Bible Answer Man when he's answering questions like that. Uh, it's very distressing to me, Robert, that that he has let go of things that are so clearly true um, by a casual look at of Scripture. And, and there's only one explanation, and it's because he's turned away from a relationship with Jesus and embraced religion, and that's always a dangerous place to be. 340-9585, here's a question from Dominic. Dominic, he said, May I have your comment on the new hyper-charismatic churches like Bethel or Elevation Church? Um, I know more about Bethel than I do Elevation Church. I've I've watched Stephen Furtick a couple of times for as long as I could take it, which wasn't very long. Um, but but I just think there's no value. Uh, Bethel Church is a church that's completely out of control. They're off the rails doctrinally, um, and um, there's just nothing nothing good about Bethel Church. God loves the people there. That's good. But there's nothing, there's zero fruit coming from that church that can be described as good. And uh, the Elevation Church, you know, I, uh, Stephen Furtick is young, he's cool, and he's hip. But, um, um, boy, there's just not a heart of God there. 
Again, I'm sure he's saved, but uh, um, whenever you find anything hyper-charismatic, anything out of balance, even if it's the other direction, um, you're not in a healthy place. So, Dominic, it, it's it's not they're, they're, neither of those are ministries that I could commend uh, to anyone at all. Again, they're brothers in the Lord. Uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they think they're Christians, um, but um, boy, they've fallen way, way, way out of the mainstream of what God tells us to do in His Word. David asks, Pastor Ron, is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? Of course, the Holy Spirit's God. So of course you can. You know, uh, I get questions, David, a little different than this. Who should we pray to, to the Father, to the Son? Um, There's no competition in heaven for prayer. It's not like if you pray the Holy Spirit, Jesus is going, hey, you're supposed to be praying to me. Or the Father saying, well, I started all this, you're supposed to pray to me. There's nothing like that at all. So, of course, it's okay to pray to the Holy Spirit. Uh, David, I start my mornings uh, when I'm out with the Lord, uh, and I, I, I say, good morning, Father, good morning, Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit. Uh, I like the fact that they're all involved in my minute-by-minute life. I like the roles that each of them have. I love the work that our triune God does, and I appreciate their individual roles, but the truth is all three are 100% completely God. It's not like one-third, one-third, one-third. They're all completely God. They all have the same attributes. They all are without beginning and without end. And um, of course you can pray to the Holy Spirit, and it's something that we ought to do. Sometimes, David, I think that the Holy Spirit is sort of the, the forgotten partner in the Trinity. Um... You know, I want the Spirit's power every day. And so if I'm praying to the Holy Spirit, I can say, I give you control of my life today. I want to be obedient so you can have your way. I want divine appointments. Lead me and guide me, Spirit of God. And so those are wonderful prayers. And, And of course you can pray and as I said a moment ago, it's not like the Father is mad because you're talking to the Holy Spirit instead of Jesus or instead of to Him. There's no competition whatsoever, so go ahead and pray to the Father, pray to the Son, and pray to the Holy Spirit. And I think if you'll do that regularly, you're going to find that you're going to develop a greater understanding of each of the roles the members of our triune God uh, has uh, in our lives. Here is a question. We're inside five minutes. Where is the time going? Manny says, why does the Bible leave out some of the books that have always been part of Scripture? Uh, Manny, the Bible doesn't leave out any books that have always been a part of Scripture. You're talking about the, the Apographer, the Catholic Bible that has them in there. But the Catholic Bible added them in large part to support unbiblical doctrines. But they've never been a part of the canon of Scripture, not the Christian canon of Scripture, nor have those apocryphal books ever been considered Scripture uh, in the Old Testament by Jews. You won't find the apocryphal books in the Septuagint. So the Bible doesn't leave out some. When you talk to a Catholic, they'll say, well, they take books out of the Bible. No, they don't. Your church added them in. And those books are not internally consistent with the rest of the Bible. There are contradictions. There are errors. 
Uh, I think they have great value historically, and I think, by and large, they're interesting. But the Bible has 66 books, written by 40 different authors, written over a period of about 1,500 years, and the Apocrypha was never considered a part of Scripture except by the Catholic Church. Of course, the Catholic Church has all kinds of doctrinal issues going on, so uh, many, um, you might ask the Catholic who's making those accusations why his church added those books to the Bible. They haven't always been a part of Scripture at all. Here's an interesting question from Lucy. Is the Bible the Word of God, or is Jesus the Word of God? Lucy, the answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. The Bible is the written Word of God, and Jesus is the living Word of God. Hebrews begins by saying, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at various times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. And literally, that's even he's spoken to us in Son. And the idea is that his Son was his final word. So, Jesus is the living word. But he's also given us the written word of God. And that written word of God, um, uh, when, when Jesus is the word of God, the, the word is logos in Greek, and it's sort of a foundational word that means the meaning behind all things. Jesus is the logos, or the reason behind all things. The Bible is the rhema word of God, the written word of God, and, and Jesus is the author of our Bibles. So, um, both of them are the Word of God, just like the different members of the Trinity with the question I just had. They have different roles in our lives. The Bible instructs us. The Bible answers questions uh, without contradiction. Whatever we need to know in order to live godly lives, the Bible tells us. The Bible reveals the person of Jesus Christ, the living Word. And so we can get to know who he is. We can get to know all of his attributes, all about his character. And that means that when we approach the living word of God, we don't have any false concepts about who he is. And so we need both. The living word of God is the one who saved us. The written word of God is the one that instructs us how to follow him. So it's very, very important. We can't have one without the other. If we didn't have the written word of God, we wouldn't know who the living word is. We could guess. I was just talking to somebody uh, a little bit before the program about somebody who, uh, well, I believe in God, but. But see, they don't know who he is because they've rejected the word of God. And, And we don't get the opportunity to make Jesus into who we want him to be. We can't say, uh, well, my God. We don't, get to, we don't get to mess with his character. And the way we find that character is in his written word. Hey, thanks for the calls today. Thanks for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Remember, tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, Paula will be teaching the ladies, Pastor Ken teaching the men. Um, we have our high school and junior high school ministries as well. You can make it a family thing here at 7 o'clock. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at AM 630 The Word. See you at 4 o'clock. 
Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Well, you-